couple of weeks ago, I dedicated an episode to the traditional cricket tea, but that's not the only sport which is synonymous with food. In the States, you mix baseball and hot dogs, and in the UK, well, it's football and a pie and a pint, of course. But I reckon the absolute no-brainer number one sport and food marriage is, of course, at Wimbledon and its strawberries. So as we gear up to the finals, I figured we should make an episode all about the brilliance of the humble strawberry. You get this unbelievable strawberry soup. It's like bright red, it's packed full of flavour, it's really sweet. From when to pick it, how to serve it and what to pair with it, there's lots more to the strawberry than you might expect. Obviously, it's just a green strawberry is literally just an, an unripe strawberry. Not as juicy, but I think they're still like an incredible product. My name is Tommy Banks and you're listening to Seasoned, my podcast all about my restaurants and the farm where I grow all of my ingredients. Each week I take you on a journey from field to fork. This is Seasoned, episode 14, Strawberries. Before we begin, a quick reminder that you've still got time to enter the draw for this month's Well Seasoned giveaway. Well Seasoned is my exclusive members club where you can get exclusive episodes with recipes and bonus content, a monthly newsletter packed with information about my team, my favourite dishes and restaurant recommendations and entry to our prize draws. At the end of July, one lucky member will win a meal and a stay at our brand new Abbey Inn with our best room overlooking the Abbey itself and dinner and drinks on the house. You get to meet me and the team too, of course. So to enter, the whole package costs just £5 a month and you can find all the information at www.tommybanks.co.uk forward slash seasoned. There's more information in the show notes too. I'm also pleased to say that last month's winner, Helen, did hear the news of her win on the podcast. She got in touch to say that she was on a train listening to the show when she heard her name being read out, which I'm really pleased about. So congratulations, Helen. Who knows? Maybe we'll start doing some spontaneous giveaways for well-seasoned members in the next few weeks too. Right, on with the show. If you love sport, then the last few days have been right up there with some of the very best. England got back on track with a win at Headingley in the Ashes. I didn't get to see much of it though, as I was busy running a restaurant at the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, which was pretty amazing too. It was great to see so many of you there enjoying the food as part of the racing weekend. And of course, there's the small matter of Wimbledon, which has been dominating the sporting calendar for the best part of the last two weeks. I'm going to be there this weekend preparing the champion's dinner, which is a huge honour to make a meal fit for the newly crowned sporting legends and one that I'm absolutely determined to get right. It's quite a high pressure one this, so as soon as the men's final finishes on Sunday, we're going to be cooking the champion's dinner where the the ladies champion, uh, the men's champion, all the other champions and I'm sure lots of very important people uh, will be there too. So yeah, quite a big honour for us this weekend, so we're determined to get that one right. And while Wimbledon might evoke memories of Hemman Hill or Murray Mount or any number of legendary winners, for the more casual fans like me, the first thing they'll think of is strawberries. 
Traditionally served with cream, tournament organizers expect to shift about 200,000 portions over the two-week event. That's around two million strawberries. That is incredible. And in my view, a strawberry is something that we do in the UK better than anybody else. At their best, they're fresh, juicy and delicious and they're just about perfect with a tub of cream in the sunshine. But our love of strawberries doesn't stop there. I thought I'd ask my team what they'd knock up with a punnet of fresh strawberries. Oh, melted chocolate. Stick melted chocolate on them. Stick them in, stick them in fridge or freezer and then wait like two hours or something and eat them all, gone. I actually would probably just eat them <laughs> without doing anything to them. Straight out of the punnet? Out of the punnet, yeah. If it was in an ice cream form or sorbet kind of form, then I would definitely go for that. Ellie's Phuket pancakes, pancakes, strawberries, sauce, but they were chocolatey pancakes as well. Eat a mess, you've got big meringues, all crushed up. It looks like a mess on the plate, but it's so good. So there really is loads you can do. In fact, a pavlova or an eaten mess is a pretty neat way to up your game from the basic strawberries and cream without a lot of effort. Just make sure you use extra thick cream. And if you can, make some fresh meringues. And then either pile it up like a pavlova with lots of symmetrical detail if you want. Or, if it's starts to go wrong, crush it up, serve it chilled and call it eaten mess. Last week I went out to our garden to see what we had growing and to get a bit of inspiration. Look at that, that is just, I don't think anything screams summer more than a perfectly ripe strawberry and, and actually British summer. I think it's the one thing we have the very best of in the world is strawberries. And it's incredibly nice, really sweet and you just, you just want to eat them, don't you? You don't really want to do anything to them other than just eat as many as you can. But the best thing you can do is go pick your own with strawberries. Well, firstly, because you can get really good value, you can eat a few on the way around, but they tend to be the best value. You're buying the fruit really fresh. It doesn't really matter if you pick small ones or big ones, so long as they're really ripe, they're absolutely delicious, whatever you get. And I think like with a lot of fruit, if you pick them on a nice warm day, the sugars are so concentrated and they're really sweet. And then you just want to take them straight home and make something with them, cook them, eat them and you're going to capture that flavour. When you put them in the fridge, it always dampens the flavour down a little bit. Same with tomatoes or anything like that. If you went to pick your own, picked a nice punnet of bright ruby red strawberries and went back and cooked with them that afternoon, you're going to get that magic seasonal moment. Remember when I was a kid, my mum would always go to pick your own and get loads of strawberries and make strawberry jam uh, for the winter. And it's, a, it's a great... Uh, it's a great way of preserving. You really capture that flavour and co the concentrated flavour of the, the sugars of the strawberries. Obviously, you add a lot of sugar to it. But I think, like, there's nothing more British than a good old-fashioned trifle. Okay, a trifle might not seem too ambitious, but to be honest, it's one of the laziest desserts I see anywhere. Don't go shop-bought. Make a little extra effort and make your own, starting with the jelly. And what you do is you just want to get your strawberries, hull them so they've got none of the green leaves on them, and then weigh them out. So if you have a kilo of strawberries, you'd put 100 uh, grams of sugar with them, so always 10%. Put them in a bowl, and let them macerate a bit in the sugar. Uh, wrap that bowl in cling film, put it on top of a pan of boiling water and just let them slowly cook in there. And all the juices will just come out. You'll end up with a bowl full of what looks like 
perfect sort of soup and some strawberry bodies left in there. And then if you hang that in a piece of cloth, or a towel or a jelly bag or something like that, you get this unbelievable strawberry soup. It's like bright red, it's packed full of flavour, it's really sweet. And then uh, you can do lots of things with that. You could either have it as that like soup and serve it with like meringues and cream or something, or make it into the most incredible strawberry jelly. Um, so again, just a really simple ratio. Add one leaf of bronze gelatine to every 100 grams of the strawberry soup. Um, so if you had like a kilo of strawberries, uh, you'd probably end up with say six or 700 grams of the strawberry soup. So you need six or seven leaves and that'll make the most incredible soft set packed full of flavour strawberry jelly you've ever eaten. A basic jelly recipe can be mastered with any combination of fruit, but for this classic trifle you don't need to think outside the box. But do think outside the box. Get some bigger chunks of fresh fruit in the jelly, it'll give you a bit of texture and flavour and already be a level above the ones in the supermarket. Sponge fingers, you can make these too. I don't actually mind the shop-bought ones here. Something that's gonna soak up lots of juice, that's what you want. But whatever path you take, I think you can make them a little bit more grown up. I think you can get away with buying in uh, sponge fingers and you could even soak them in a little bit of that strawberry, strawberry soup as well as some uh, alcohol. I really like a little bit of uh, red vermouth actually. Uh, and that's quite grown up, but I think it tastes really, really good. On top of the boozy sponge fingers and the jelly, you're gonna need that fresh fruit. And this is where the strawberries come in. Chop them up however you wish, and then cover them all over with my favorite part, the custard. So to make the uh, perfect custard for your trifle, uh, you need to start with a, mainly milk, a little bit of a nice double cream in, the, in there as well and get that on the stove warming up. In the meantime, separate your eggs, egg yolks in a bowl. Just whisk them together with some sugar. So most recipes call for hen's eggs. I think they're the eggs that most people use in, in cooking. With this, I'm gonna use a couple of duck eggs because I just want it to be really thick. Um, so I, I really like the texture of thick custard, but I don't like the texture so much of corn flour. And usually custards are even made of like a custard powder or corn flour or something like that, which makes it really quite sort of thick and cloying. What I'd like this trifle to be is to be a little bit looser, but like a little bit nicer texture. So I'm going to use 70% egg yolks uh, from hens and then just a couple of thick egg yolks in there as well from the ducks. And then here's my milk and creams up to the boil. I'm going to slowly whisk that into the egg yolks and the sugar. And then I'm actually going to cook that out in the bowl over a pan of water, uh, like a, what's called a bain-marie, because if you're going to do it with corn flour in it, it's much safer and you can cook it directly in the pan much quicker uh, and it will be much less likely to scramble because the corn flour will, will sort of hold it together. Uh, but for this, I'm not using that. So I'm going to cook it much more slowly and just keep whisking it over the bain-marie until it slowly starts to cook and thicken. And basically it's the egg yolks that thicken, which is gonna set your custard. So for your egg yolks to be cooked and to thicken, it's gonna to have to be over 80 degrees. So it does need to get quite hot, uh, but at the same time, you've gotta keep it moving all the time because you don't wanna overcook anything. 
Like most things, a great custard is a sum of its parts. It tastes better if you're using really beautiful, fresh, full-fat cream and milk. Once the custard starts to get thick, I take the uh, whisk out and then just use in a spoon and you'll have seen it lots of times before, I'm sure, when people are doing cooking demonstrations on custard. But the idea is that the uh, when it's thick and it will set, it needs to coat the back of the spoon. So if you've got like a wooden spoon or a spatula, just lift it up and it'll. you can see it's sort of starting to coat the back of the spoon. If you run your finger down the back of it, it should actually hold its own weight and not cover up where the drop the line that you've drawn with your finger. So that's that's ready now and that will set up really nicely I think and have this lovely sort of creamy texture. And at the very end just a lightly whipped um, chantilly cream. So don't use a stand mixer or anything like that. You just want to be whisking it Gently, you've got so much more control and just folding it together. And you're not even looking to get to peaks. You actually just want like a ribbon stage where you're, um, where you, as your whisk comes through your cream, you can sort of see the, the, the whisk that it leaves behind and that nice soft cream pillowy. You can just then, I don't like to get it in a piping bag because then you're sort of working it too much, you're compacting it, you're forcing it through a little hole. I just like to get my spatula in and just lift it and just layer it like little, little, pillows and little clouds of cream all over the top and then the best thing I haven't actually got any but if I did some sugared hazelnuts on the top would be prime well yeah you make a trifle as big as you want I think um, I don't know it's a proper sharing dish isn't it really you don't really want an individual trifle I think uh, trifle should be in a big cut glass bowl or something it's a proper statement dessert and that's it, a boozy strawberry trifle. Thanks to a little bit of effort, you'll thank me because it tastes great. Tasting things is one of the most important parts of my job and the most fun. When I'm on the pass, I'm constantly tasting to make sure everything has the right amount of seasoning, the right balance. Delicate flavors can be completely lost and overpowered if you're not careful. So tasting is essential to keeping the standards high. But another part of my job is I'm required to taste things whenever we have a new dish on the menu. I remember when we were developing the Bylan burger, I tasted about 30 of them. And at the Black Swan, Chef Callum is developing a dish which he says is nearly ready for me to try, made with green strawberries. Obviously it's just a green strawberry is literally just an, an unripe strawberry. Um, obviously, Depending on the weather throughout the kind of summertime now, it really does depend on whether these actually become lovely and red or not. Uh, last year, I'd say 50% of them just stayed green and they didn't actually ripen. So I thought this year, rather than kind of almost letting them go to waste, it'd be a really nice way of being able to utilise them on the menu fresh, as opposed to preserving them, which is something that Dickie does a lot. Well, I know he's dying to get his hands on some, but it's nice to have them on the menu fresh like this. So we're going to dice them up. We made a puree from them as well. And then we're going to lightly pickle some as well. They just taste like strawberry, really. They're just not as juicy or as... They just don't taste as ripe. Uh, as easy... I mean, it sounds weird to say that, but like... They do add the, like a nice strawberry flavour, but they're just a lot firmer. Not as juicy. Um, but with the processes that we apply to them, I think they're still like an incredible product. 
At the Black Swan, it is a team effort, but head chef Callum has the freedom to develop the dishes to best showcase the ingredients we have to offer. And this one has an unusual accompaniment. So you've just obviously got the uh, chamomile bed here in the garden, which to be honest with you, really signifies the start of summer to me. Once they just start flowering, the um, aroma coming from it is just absolutely mental. Super, super fresh. So I don't really like dried chamomile, to be honest with you. I think it doesn't taste very nice in the teas, um, but fresh chamomile is one of the best produce that we grow here. Um, so what we do is we actually uh, harvest the chamomile fresh every day. We cold infuse it for about 24 hours into a, just some lovely whole milk. We then strain that off. It doesn't uh, give off any bitterness. It just leaves you with that real fresh chamomile flavor. And then slightly sweeten it up and then we freeze it into an ice cream base. Um, so that's what we do with that. We have to work with what we've got when we've got it. At the minute, we're still in a bit of a funny place in terms of fresh produce. Obviously, we are starting to get some stuff through. Elderflower's absolutely come through in the last couple of weeks. But I think you go to any restaurant in the country and get an, an elderflower and strawberry dessert at the moment. Um, so we just like to do something a little, little bit more unique and a bit different. Not a lot of people grow fresh chamomile, so it's quite a nice thing to do. And it'll be quite a short season. We'll have, you know, our green strawberries will be red probably in the next month. So it'll only be on the menu for about a month. Green strawberries and chamomile ice cream, but you know, it's really not that simple. He's using lemon verbena and creating a granita. So if you were going to create a granita at home, I guess the lemon verbena one, you'd make um, a heavy syrup, flavor it with lemon verbena, probably freeze it and then scrape it with a fork to make like a lovely flavored ice. But Callum's made his with liquid nitrogen, which gives you these incredible little um, balls of heavily flavored ice that just disintegrate instantly on the palate. It really makes a very, very refreshing dish. And while we were recording, I saw him plating one up. So what better time to hijack and have a taste? So it's got salt in it. Quite savoury, isn't it? It's nice, isn't it? Just fresh chamomile like raw milk ice cream, basically. Is it um, flowers or leaves? Leaves. What else was in there? So it's green strawberries and a green strawberry puree. And what are you debating? Whether it has lemon verbena on it? The jelly definitely helps, doesn't it? Because I don't think the individual components are very sweet at all, actually. I think the green is quite bitter, just doing chamomile. I love the fact that we can show off the green strawberries. With the weather we're getting at the moment, it's going to be a little while before we have enough red strawberries to put on the menu full time. And Callum's not the only person working on green strawberries. A few weeks ago, back at the farm, Dickie had his own ideas on what to do with the unripe strawberry. So, Green strawberries, uh, obviously, like they're in such the, the season's so short, you know, it's only like probably three weeks of them being absolutely perfect and delicious to eat. Um, and what we found is obviously the strawberries are clearly initially green, um, and we started off doing this at the end of the season, so like in sort of September, October, tend to get, especially if it's a mild autumn, you get a little flush of, of, of more fruit. And we were just like, well, they're never going to ripen, so we thought, how can we actually preserve and use these? So started off as an end of season thing but now we actually grow a bed of strawberries every year for preservants. So what we'll do is pick them when they're green like this. Uh, the process we do is umeboshi so it's a Japanese style of preserving so we basically uh, will pick the strawberries uh, this afternoon, take them back to the farm, uh, we salt them, uh, we vac pack them and leave them uh, to ferment uh, for between six and eight weeks. After that 
we uh, wash off the salt and we make a lovely pickle which is white wine, uh, white wine vinegar and sugar and then we just basically allow that pickle to cool, jar up the strawberries in uh, Kilner jars and then just pour the pickle over and then leave that for as long as possible, ideally six months and the pickle just sort of mellows out a little bit. It's a precise task, get the volumes wrong and it just doesn't work. But once it's done, you can sit back and relax and let nature take care of itself. These umeboshi strawberries get used for all sorts of things on the menu. We use them on a puree at the moment with a mackerel dish at the Abbey Inn. We use it with lobster at uh, the Black Swan and other fish dishes at Roots as well. You know, what we do is, is preserving effectively. So like, what would you do with a strawberry preservation wise? Well, the most obvious thing is a jam, which we do, absolutely delicious, but think outside the box, like what can you actually do? It doesn't have to be a sweet preserve, you know, like a lot of what we do is, is very savoury. Um, and I think that's where the pickling aspect comes in. Um, and when they're at this sort of stage where they're like really quite green, that's perfect for the umeboshi uh, style of preserving. Using a Japanese technique on a strawberry isn't perhaps as surprising as it might seem. Because while here in the UK, I believe we grow the tastiest and freshest strawberries anywhere, they think the same in Japan too. Strawberries are much rarer there, but a handful of speciality growers have turned them into a delicacy, creating unique varieties and fine-tuning the growing process. They're often bigger, bright red through the middle, and, get this, this is nuts, a single strawberry in Japan can set you back as much as £350 per strawberry. Wow. If only I was sold for 350 quid a pop. Before we carry on, I wanted to quickly remind you about Well Seasoned. It's our members only club where you can receive bonus episodes, a monthly newsletter, and entry to our fantastic giveaways. And one prize which we'll give away in August is an absolute cracker. We're inviting two winners up to the Black Swan where you'll enjoy our 13 course tasting menu, an overnight stay and breakfast. And if that wasn't enough, you'll spend the day with me and Dickie foraging for ingredients in the woodlands and hedgerows around the restaurant. We've never done this before. It's a money can't buy prize, which I'm really looking forward to doing. So to enter, you can find all the details and sign up at www.tommybanks.co.uk forward slash seasoned. And to give you a little taster of this prize, this week Dickie took our producers on a foraging trip to show you exactly what's in store. Right guys, so we've got loads of foraging to do today. So obviously we need wild garlic flowers for black swan roots and for the Abbey Inn. Uh, we need nettles, fat hen, sweet sicily and garlic mustard for the Abbey Inn, for the butter and also for the drinks at Root, we need to get some in-season flowers like a bit of hawthorn, a bit of gorse. Mega, let's go. Yeah, so the chefs will basically uh, put an order in every night, sort of 10 o'clock and then this is basically for the Black Swan, that's the list for Root uh, and then Abbey Inn. So that's obviously going to evolve through the season, uh, like I was saying before. This is probably going to have to go to about five different locations, so it will take the three of us probably an hour. 
Over the years, we've built up a detailed map of where everything grows in Oldstead and the surrounding villages, and exactly when you can get your hands on it. From Meadowsweet to Barberries of its wild garlic or birch polypores, they all have their place, and quite often, you only need to go a step or two off the roads or footpaths to find something quite extraordinary. Okay, so we're literally um, about 500 meters down the road from the Black Swan. Um, so this is a like really nice little little bit of woodland. Um, so there's wood sorrel, um, which we're going to pick and send to roots uh, very, very soon. So that's got like a real sort of, people say like Granny Smith apple flavour, but it's just like really sort of citrusy. Um, goes on their beef dish, so it's kind of like really rich uh, beef, borderless sauce, bit of lardo going through that. And then this wood sorrel just as garnish to really freshen it up. Um, we're also going to get wild garlic flowers which we can just see on the right here so of course you should always take care to stay on public land or get landowners permission but there's really no need to trespass or take any risks everything we need is pretty easily accessible well I think we're looking pretty good we've got um i think everyone, i've got 300 so if everyone else has got 300 then that's the 900 that we need gives us a few spare so i reckon we can get going and get some uh get a bit of sweet sicily and some yeah i wouldn't say it's easy work and our competition winner won't be expected to put in a full shift but there's also something very therapeutic about being close to nature hunting for perfection what i would say is it's less glamorous at times than than uh social media might portray but um it is it is very enjoyable and like i do think that you know as a society we spend a lot of time indoors and getting outside like this foraging does make you feel you know at one with nature and very very relaxed and with the wood sorrel all gathered up dicky moves on for the next items on the list a mixture of herbs and weeds for our foragers butter you almost feel like things that, are, that grow together are sort of meant to be together um prime example here so Charlie's developed this class uh, forager's butter, as he's calling it, at the Abbey Inn. So we're out every day picking uh, sort of fresh hedgerow ingredients. So like here we've got wild garlic, it's obviously in flower now, so it's starting to come towards the end of the season. Nettles, quite small, really soft. I always find picking nettles quite interesting because you sort of feel like if you pick that without a glove on, you'd sting yourself. But actually if you just grab it from the top quite purposefully and just snap it, don't actually sting yourself, so that's quite interesting. Um, cleavers, as you'll, people, most people know as sticky weed, really interesting flavour. I was getting like a bit of a, a sort of fresh pea pod vibe from that. Blended into this butter, uh, absolutely delicious. So we've got nettles in there, we've got cleavers, wild garlic, um, and then this down here is one of my favourite things. So this is hedge mustard or jack by the hedge. So that's got like real like peppery mustard vibe to it. So all these flavors um, blended together in this butter. It's just amazing. Um, and then spread on some delicious warm sourdough. I mean, what, what more do you want? Once you've got all the ingredients, it's a pretty simple process. I wouldn't even call it a recipe. Just make sure you've got some incredible quality butter. Okay, so uh, recipe wise, uh, we take a kilo of butter, so that's like four of your sort of regular size blocks. Soften that down and then we add in 25% uh, herbs, so 
and then like I say a little bit of parsley just to give it a bit more of a, a flavour as well. And then depending on whether you want it seasoned or not, um, not everyone likes salted butter so you can add uh, up to 1% salt, it'll just give you a really nice uh, season on that. And then we're just going to give it a quick blend. So you don't want to blend it too smooth. Part of the uh, sort of vibe of the Abbey Inn is, you know, we want it to be delicious and and up there, but we don't want it to be too smooth. So it's kind of, you can see you can still see bits of the wild garlic and the nettles, a bit of texture in it. And that spread on that country sourdough loaf is just banging. Really, really good. And there you have it. Another one of our unique dishes, which you can now have a go at home. Earlier on, I was profiling the strawberry, and there's another reason why it's an ingredient close to my heart. Back in 2017, I was lucky enough to get a dish to the banquet on Great British Menu. I told you before that the whole show was transformative for me, bringing my cooking to a whole new audience, and the dish that got me there was a fish dish, turbot, served with strawberries and cream. So yeah, turbot, strawberries and cream. It sounds a bit odd, right? But for me, I think Great British Menu is all about the creative side. And if the theme of the competition was going to be Wimbledon, there was going to be a lot of strawberries and cream dishes, a lot of strawberry and cream desserts. So I thought I've got to try and do this for a savoury application. And for me, the only course it could really work well on was the fish dish. And it does sound a bit weird, but it really does work. And fish and fruit is something that's been done for years. There's a really classic Escoffier dish, which is called Sol Veronique, which is um, sole and grapes and the fact that I use the underripe strawberries as well means as well as the fresh strawberries and the umeboshi strawberries means there's lots of different flavors there it's not just ripe fruit there's you know there's unripe fruit there's a lot of acidity there's a salty brininess of the umeboshi that goes really well with the turbot and then for the cream component um, it's quite classical really I made a fish stock I said turbot is one of the best fish to make stock from Obviously, you use the, the fillets and you can use the meat out of the um, the head. But the actual frames themselves, the, the, the carcass, has great flavor. So you make a beautiful, fresh fish stock with that. Um, and there's lots of wine, some vermouth in there. And then you reduce down a really good quality of quantity and quality of thick cream which gives you this bright white sauce which tastes with so much depth and so much of turbot and then when you mix the whole combination together it's pretty banging so if fish and strawberries work and can get me to a banquet then i'm totally open-minded about what else strawberries can do and callum has another version of the green strawberry dessert which he thinks is ready for the menu Time for another taste. Is this it? No? Yeah, so yeah, this, this is it. Yeah, it went live on the menu last night. Um, super happy with it now. Obviously, I think we tried it at version maybe three. I think a couple more tweaks to it. So what did you change? So we changed the jelly from lemon verbena to a honey jelly. Um, one of the key, uh, beekeepers from the garden brought us some fresh honey. Uh, it's incredible, like the amount of like kind of herbs that the bees have to kind of go out this time of the year, yeah, super, yeah. super fresh. We finish it with a little bit of bees pollen now as well. 
Um, we uh, lightly pickled some of the green strawberries and finished it in a lemon verbena powder. The verbena powder is almost like a sherbet in itself. Oh really? So do you have to add any like acid to it? No, nothing at all. It's just so incredibly like fresh at the minute. I suppose um, lemon verbena does almost taste like them like lemon sherbet yeah, sweets. It does. Yeah, does. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's kind of tied that lovely kind of creaminess from the uh, chamomile all together, and we've actually made a granita uh, from the lemon verbena as well. I think that honey jelly is just sweeter. It's yeah. sort of sweet in the whole dish. Yeah, I agree. I think it just needed like another element that wasn't something else the same, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like we, all, we had like three lemon verbena elements, but I think two's enough when it's lemon verbena. It's such a strong flavor. Yeah. This is world-class. It was good before, but Callum's attention to detail and a few extra tweaks has taken this dish to a whole new level. Kind of reminds me of some, like quite nostalgic flavour. It reminds me of one of the uh, I don't know, Twister. Twister lolly. Twister that's lollies. exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. The outside of the Twister lolly. Yeah, that's exactly what it reminds me of. To be honest with you. <laughs> um, that's absolutely great, mate. I think the guests are gonna love that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think it's gonna go down really well. So Cal's green strawberry pre-dessert is on the menu now for just a few weeks. And so if you're dining with us, I hope you love it as much as I do. That's about it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and supporting. But over on Well Seasoned, I'm going to tell you how to make the perfect strawberry jam. And if I can think of anything else to add, then I'll do that too. Thanks so much for listening. As always, our emails are open. I know one or two emails didn't make it through, but if you send to seasoned at tommybanks.co.uk, I promise they'll reach me. And if you want to check out Well Seasoned, all the info is at tommybanks.co.uk forward slash seasoned. Easy. Easy.